Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast here tonight with Pastor Bob Simons. We're from the New Life Pentecostal Church right here in Dickinson. And you're listening to the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast. Again, if you want to give us a call, if you have any questions or comments during the broadcast tonight, 701-225-5133. Or you can text us those questions or comments or just let us know where you're listening from. We'd like to hear that. Uh, 701-290-7862. And if you're out of country, you can email us at robertsimons58 at gmail.com. Sing us a song, Pastor Simons. All right, I will. I want to greet the uh, Yoders out in Pennsylvania. Good to have Jake and Lydia and their family listening tonight. And then also um, hello to Thor and his family. And, and I do enjoy getting those texts to let me know who's listening. And people are texting tonight, so that's that's neat. I'll try this little song goes along with my broadcast tonight. And by the way, we I, I'm the pastor of the... New Life Pentecostal Church right here in Dickinson, North Dakota. So we want you to try our church too. But I'm just going to have a little fun with this song. This sounds like it's from Arkansas to me, this song. We've got Brother Springer here from Arkansas. He should be singing this song, actually. He's the chip off the old block, uh, or Seth is the chip off the old block. And we've got uh, Bill in the studio from Pennsylvania. Good to have Bill here. We've got Joe. We've got Johnny uh, out from Beach and Belfield, respectively, or whatever it is. All right, here we go. Way back then, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees walked so proud. They thought that they had the way to God. They prayed the prayers out loud. Jesus said they had hell to pay for the pretense and the games they played. I'm sure glad that's not like us today, because we wouldn't act like that. Everybody else but me Everybody else but me He was talking to the hypocrite and Pharisee Everybody else but me 
Went to church one day last month. Preacher preached real good. Talked about true commitment. New Testament brotherhood. Talked about watching the things we say. About the gossip that can wound and slay. Sure wish Joe would been here that day, cause he really needed to hear it. Everybody else but me. Everybody else but me. He was talking to those people back in Galilee. Everybody else but me. Everybody else but me. Everybody else but me. He was talking to the hypocrite and Pharisee. Everybody else but me. It's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight, kind of. And I, I want to turn your attention tonight to the book of Jonah. And Jonah, I will tell you right now, I don't have any bitterness in my heart towards him, but he's one guy I don't like in the Bible. I don't like Jonah. Kind of get mad reading the book of Jonah sometimes. If you if you love Jonah and uh, you think I'm being unfair to Jonah, text me 701-290-7862. Give me another side of Jonah that I'm not seeing here. But um, we all know Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. And tonight, what I do, oh, somebody just texted me. I wonder if that's about Jonah. Let's see here. How do I get that? Jonah, Jonah, let's see here. Wow, I got all kinds of people texting me uh, t- tonight. All right, I'll look at those later. There may be somebody defending Jonah. I just said, <coughs> Jonah and I are not, we would not be great friends, I don't think, from what I know about about him. And Jonah was swallowed by a great fish. But tonight, I want to talk about some of the other things that swallowed up Jonah. What do you think? I got this panel of guys. What other kind of things swallowed up Jonah here? What is it? What other kind of things? Somebody tell me that. Like, we're on radio. We're on live radio. You guys got a pipe. What other kind of things swallowed up Jonah? How about anger? Did anger swallow up Jonah? How about bitterness swallowed up Jonah? Very good. Unforgiveness swallowed up Jonah? Self-righteousness, well, you're looking at my notes. Self-righteousness swallowed up Jonah. That was Joe. Uh, he's looking He's looking over my shoulder here. Um, self-pity swallowed up Jonah. So who did, who did, who did, who did, who did swallow Jonah? There was a lot of things that swallowed Jonah. I want to talk about those things. Just about anything that you add self to is a bad word. Like, like uh, self-pity. Self-justification, self-righteousness, all those things are, are bad. Selfishness, even self-esteem. Uh, the the uh, only th- kind of words that I think, um, what kind of words would go with self that would be, uh, un- what's that? Selfless would be a good word. That would be a good word because that's without self. But anything that has self involved with it, the love of self is you know when Jesus gave the greatest commandment when asked what the greatest commandment was he he split the whole old testament and kind of summarized it in two commandments love god love others and he did not say he did not command us to love ourselves he said love others as you love yourself because that's a given we do love ourselves and so um I'm I'm going to talk about all this tonight I don't believe that I need to encourage you to love yourself more no, so this is going to cause some of you psychiatrists and psychologists to get upset with me tonight. But self-love is destructive when it's too much. 
And I believe that people do love themselves. Even people that commit suicide, you think, oh, they must have hated themselves. No, they loved themselves and they felt like it was the best option for themselves. It wasn't the best option for everybody else. And so we read about Jonah. Jonah chapter 4, he talks about something displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew thou art a gracious God, merciful, slow in anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? And later we read, Kind of the same conversation again in Jonah chapter 4. The same thing. Uh, he wished himself to die because a gourd that had given him shade had died. And and the Lord said to Jonah the second time, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. So we're going to talk about th- these topics tonight. Um, we're going to talk about self-righteousness, self-justification and self-pity, and how destructive these are to us, and and how tough it is to escape from the clutches of these things once you enter into that type of deception. I did bring my guitar into the studio. I might do some singing. Text me tonight, 701-290-7862. Way back in the country, in the woods of Illinois Back where Abraham Lincoln used to run as a boy Every Sunday night you can follow the crowd To that Pentecost church on the outskirts of town Isles are white, we're running and the seats are comfy I'll show you how we have church out here in the country
If you feel your life's heading down a dead end road The smoke and the booze and the party's getting old Take a little advice from someone who knows There's life-changing power in the Holy Ghost You better take your truck cause the road's a little bumpy But that's the way we have church out here in the country That's for all you uh, country people out there. That's how I wonder what the, Lawrence thinks out in California when Seth picks songs like this. You know, these California people are like, "What is that?" Good to have Lawrence listening to us tonight from California. Good to have uh, the Woodses in Beulah, the Hostetlers in Pennsylvania, Sister Lori's listening to us tonight, and a bunch of other people that I'm not going to mention. But um, and but good to have all of you listening tonight. We're Pastor Bob here from the New Life Pentecostal Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. We're coming to you live on 1230 a.m. right here in Dickinson locally and, of course, Holy Ghost Radio. Uh, Nationally, internationally, glad to have you all with us. Uh, It does encourage me when you text me, 701-290-7862, or if you're listening out of the country, to email me, robertsimons58 at gmail.com. And I've had texts from... Uh, Germany, I've had or emails from Germany. I've had German uh, emails from South Africa. I've had emails from uh, from all kinds of different places. Tonight we're talking about the uh, the concept of of self righteousness. We're talking about the concept of of self pity, self justification. Using Jonah kind of as my focal point tonight, and I did get a lot of people texting me that said some good things about Jonah. You know, he was a person that seemed to know have faith in God had faith in what God could do. Uh, somebody did bring to my attention, which we knew that that Nin, the Ninevites had probably been very cruel to his people. That certainly was true. But what I want to focus on is his bad attitude towards God. And this attitude is the attitude that I think um, I want to address tonight. Let me read this quote here by a, a man named John Piper. He said, boasting is the voice of pride in the heart of the strong. Self-pity is the voice of pride in the heart of the weak. Isn't that something? Like a strong person will boast, he'll boast, and that's a sign of his pride. But the voice of pride in the weak is self-pity. And self-pity is a very, very scary thing. It's one of the most dangerous, in fact, I'm not, I don't know if my pastor is listening tonight, he's an author, I've never really set my sights on being an author, but there's some books I want to write. I want to write a little book on self-pity, and I want to write, and I'd like it to be published after I'm dead, because there are, I'm going to use real examples of people that I wouldn't want to be alive 
because they'd get mad at me if they read the, read about themselves in the book. But I have seen tr- unreal examples of self-pity. And I might might um, keep the names out while I talk about some of these things tonight. But self-pity has its roots in self-righteousness and self-justification. And believe this or not, this is not an attack on people trying to live for God. Our world thinks that when you say the word self-righteous, that you're just attacking religious people. You could be attacking religious people. But let me just tell you that religious people don't have the corner on the market when it comes to self-righteous. Self-righteous means you think you're right. But you don't really necessarily care if you are right or not. You just think you're right. And you want everybody to tell you you're right. And our country is facing an epidemic of self-righteousness and self-justification. I mean, like, like it's one thing to be a sinner. It's one thing to do what's wrong. But it's another thing to try to get everybody else to say that you're right. We're living in a day like in the Old Testament where, so they, where they call wrong right and right wrong. For instance, we're living in a day where, where um, if I on the radio say it's wrong for two men to get married, then I'm the one that becomes wrong. Like I'm wrong. And so if we can get enough people saying something is right, we think it's right, but it's not. And see, this is what self-righteousness is all about. You know what? We shouldn't proclaim our own righteousness. We should let God proclaim us righteous. That's what I believe. How does God proclaim us righteous? As we follow his word. When you follow God's word, you have the righteousness of God operating in your life. And so and so, this, this concept tonight of self-righteousness, self-justification is such a, such a scary thing because it's so deceptive. Um, I was talking about this in our church service today, and I, I was reading um, some stuff by a, a guy. His, his, um, he's an author. His name's Stanton Samenow, and he's written a lot of stuff on, on the criminal mind. And I don't agree with everything I read because I don't. I could even tell as I was reading some of this stuff that maybe he has a disdain for religion because a lot of criminals get religion in jail. And he thinks that they use religion so that they won't have to admit that they're bad people. What he doesn't realize is that true Christianity admits you're a bad person and you become a good person no matter what you've done. And so I don't know how accurate everything he wrote is. But in a, a recent article in Psychology Today, he said this, this, this Stanton, same now, he said, perhaps the most surprising discovery in my early years of trying to understand the criminal mind was that, without exception, offenders regard themselves as good human beings. No matter how long their trail of carnage, no matter what suffering they caused others, every one of them retained the view that he is a good person. That's kind of scary to me. That, that you consider yourself a good person even though you're doing something that's wrong. That's what's going on today. We have, we have people that are doing what's wrong and considering themselves good. You know, um, there was a man up at my jail services that would take issue with me when I would preach at the jail uh, about, for instance, I would say, that, that it's against God's will for you to have sex outside of marriage. That's against God's will. And he, he would try every angle he could to argue with me. And one of the angles he used is, what if 
you had sex outside of marriage and that kid turned out to be a great person. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, to do what's wrong and then just because something turns out good after what you did was wrong doesn't mean your wrong is good. That's just the mercy of God. But you see, everybody is trying to justify what they do. Uh, we've got people that will get a divorce so they can both collect disability, for instance. You know, like, like there'll be two married people and they'll go to a financial counselor and they'll say, you guys need to divorce each other and get separate houses because that way you can both draw full disability. You never heard anything like that, Joe? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, like, okay, so you got these people that are doing what's wrong, but they're justifying it by what, you know, like this was the smartest thing to do. And so there's, there is a type of self-righteousness and self-justification that has nothing to do with Christianity. Uh, it, it really doesn't. This, this new type of self-righteousness, self-justification, uh, I think a lot of it stems from the, the, um, the, the uh, fallacy of the, the self-esteem movement. The self-esteem movement has tried to make people not ever think that they're wrong. But it's good to know that you're wrong. It's good to know that, you know, being wrong and correcting it is what life is all about. Uh, being wrong and correcting it is what good parenting is all about. And so the self-esteem movement has disconnected people from reality. And so and so there is a, you know, uh, I think that what's going on in many people's lives is there are people that are comparing themselves with the rest of society and they say, I'm a good person. And what they think is that they're just as good as everybody else, but that doesn't make you a good person. What if you lived in the middle of a bunch of Nazis and you thought you were just as good as they are? You know, I mean, I wonder if there were Nazis that worked at concentration camps that thought they were good people. You know what? You say, oh, that couldn't be. Oh, yes, it is. Um, I, you know, these are things I don't have, you know, I don't have like studies in front of me. But there were people, I, you know, I listened to James Dobson talk about it one time. They, they worked at concentration camps where some of the most inhumane treatment of other people ever happened. And they would go home and play with their children, kiss their wives, eat good meals, celebrate holidays, and go back to work in a concentration camp. And they considered themselves good people. You see, it doesn't matter what you consider yourself. Someday we're going to find out what God considers about us. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 65, in verses 1 or 2 through 4, we read about all these people breaking all the laws of God. And then in verse 5, these same people that are breaking all the laws of God say, Come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. Thou, And then the Lord said, These are a smoke in my nose, and a fire that burneth all the day. Now, I want you to understand, um, there's plenty of people attacking the hypocrites within Christianity. And I'm not going to do that tonight. I'm telling you, you're a hypocrite. If you're living like the devil and think you're better than somebody else. Like, like sometimes, sometimes I do get fed up. Maybe I'm fed up right now, but sometimes I get fed up like, like people say, man, you Christians think you're better than everybody else. You know what they just did to me? They just told me they were better than me. Think about it. They're putting themselves as an expert and they're saying we know all 
what's going through the mind of all Christians. The people that I know don't consider themselves better than anybody else. The Pentecostal people that I hang around with, the ones that I pastor, some of my friends from all over the place, uh, we're well aware of our inadequacies and our humanness and the temptations that we battle. We're well aware of that. I mean, you know, it's it's not like, like we don't know these things. But I think one of the worst kinds of Pharisee, one of the worst kinds of hypocrite, is the kind that is doing evil and says, I'm a good person. Like, like you leave your, you know, I mean, I don't even know where to start or where to stop with all this, but there are people that leave their spouse. They'll, they'll walk out on their wife and children. And those people will say, I really, I know, I know you won't believe this, but I'm really a good guy. There are women that walk out on their husbands and say, yeah, nobody really understands me, but I, I am really a good person. Do you see what that is? That self-justification. That self-righteousness, you are proclaiming your righteousness even though your actions are speaking the opposite of that. You know, the um, I'm going to probably save the self-pity part of this for the end of it, but uh, one of the reasons for, for the law of God, I like reading this, Romans chapter 3 and verse 19, it says, in the Living Bible, it says, obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given. And you could argue that's even for us some of it today. But for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. Everybody in the room say excuses. 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 You got to be on the radio. You're famous. He said it, it, the law was given so we don't have excuses anymore. And to show the entire world that it's guilty before God. It goes on in verse 20 to say the law simply shows us how sinful we are. You, you, you have to know what wrong is to be wrong. And if you're not wrong, and, and you, if you think you're not wrong, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't make any difference. See, and it doesn't matter what I think about you either. And it doesn't matter what you think about me. But what does God think about us? That's what matters. That's all that cares. See, here again, you know, like, um, you know, sometimes I'll mention something about this homosexuality issue going on in our country. And I'll say it's a sin. And people will say, Pastor Bob's against homosexuals. That's irrelevant. That has nothing to do with the topic. What does God think about it? You see, all the things in the Bible about homosexuality, that it's a sin... Guess what? That was in there before I was even born. I had no say in that. I, 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 I couldn't, I didn't have a time machine to go back into Paul's day and whisper in his ear, you know, you really ought to put something in there about this. I didn't have any time machine to go back to the King James trans, translators and tell them what to say. This, the, I, I'm telling you what it says. Don't get mad at me. I'm the messenger of this. So you say, well, boy, that doesn't sound like the love of God. It doesn't? Well, let me ask you this. If there was something you were doing that was God was displeased, displeased with and even hated, and this very thing that you were doing would cause you to be lost and spend forever in hell, would I love you more by not talking about it, or would I love you more by talking about it? You know, warning does not mean that you don't love people. 
You know, when the little children, you know, Seth, you've got some little kids. When little kids run out in the street, um, you know, what do you just say? Well, I, I hate to hate to yell at them. You know, I just let them go. Maybe that car will miss them. You know, maybe maybe the car will miss them. That's not a loving parent. You you know, this, the the loving parent is the one that says no. You're wrong, and the self-esteem movement has has really changed. You know, like like you know, like what's two plus two, Johnny? Five. Good job, Johnny. You know, good job. I mean, like you know, we're we're we're, we're kids are like, you know, I, I know this is old for you that listen a lot, but you cleaned up your plate. Good job, Johnny. Cleaned up your plate. You know, like like. I mean, everything people do, it's like we got to tell them it's a good job. Like in other countries where there's no food, they're thankful they have food. Nobody's thanking them for cleaning up their plate. They're thanking their parents for putting something on the plate. But you see, our society is trying so hard to make people feel good about themselves. But what about being good and then feeling good about yourself? Do you see the natural, like when you do something that's good, don't you feel good? Are you supposed to feel good about doing what's bad? You know, this, this, uh, you know, right now I, I feel like I don't know if everybody's following me on this, but I am moving in a way different realm of talking to the religious people out there that think they're better than everybody else. And they may exist. I don't know a lot of those people. Like the guy, I don't know you very well in this room, Bill, but the, these other guys, I, I don't, I don't pick for, up from you guys like, yeah, we're Pentecostals. We're way better than everybody else. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, Seth feels, he's, he's saying he thinks he's better than everybody else. But you know what? I, I mean, I don't, I don't like, I'm not around that. I, I don't know, I don't really know people that think that way. You know, uh, my pastor used to say within his flesh is the ability to do every evil thing that there is. And it's just the grace of God that kept him from doing those things. It's not like he was better than everybody else. So we have to resist pride. We have to resist it. And uh, when we come back, we'll play this song. We'll come back. I'm going to turn to James 4 and verses 6 through 10, talk about resisting pride in our life. With a bottle in his hand Another broken life Another wasted man He lost his home and family Two years ago in May That's the day he bought a heartache He can't afford to pay It's the high cost of low living Sin just keeps on taking when there's no more giving, you invest it with the devil and you can't win for losing. No one can afford this high cost of living. There's a rope around his neck, he's about to take his life. He sealed it with a kiss. The cost was paradise Thirty silver pieces Bought him more than he could know He bought a one-way ticket To somewhere down below 
Cost of Low Living. That's by Greg McCool. Um, Pastor Bob got his psychiatrist hat on today and trying to figure you guys out. Hey, I got a lot of nice texts, though. People say it's making sense. That's good. We're talking about kind of the, the fallacy of self-justification, um, self-righteousness, and self-pity, and how they all fit together and how they're not necessarily just for people that are trying to live for God. But they're for many, many people. And uh, it, actually, I believe it's one of the main things that keeps people away from God. Let me sing you a song about psychiatrists. I've got a new psychiatrist, and uh, my psychiatrist is the best. See if you can guess who my new psychiatrist is. I want to tell you all about my new psychiatrist. I've had a lot of others. Now I've really got the best. He's always got the answers. He never has to guess. He's got a lot more experience. Costs a whole lot less. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. My psychiatrist. I used to be so nervous. I was way past tense. I tried to tell my conscience to please stop making sense. They said when I felt guilty, my mother was the cause. But now I know the reason is only that I was guilty. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. My psychiatrist. If you got problems, small or large, his therapy is free of charge. For mental health, just take a look. He wrote it all down in a best-selling book. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Bob Psychiatrist. Anybody guess who that is? <laughs> Jesus is my new psychiatrist, and uh, and the best-selling book he wrote is the Bible. If psychology is the study of human behavior, I think God's on top of that. I think he's been studying that for quite a while. In fact, he's the creator of it. We're talking about self-pity, self-justification, self-righteousness in the light of people that don't even name the name of God. Um, there are people that... that um, you know, like I, I don't, I'm not a country music singer or or a country music listener. I don't really listen to it, but I've heard smidgens of country music songs, usually from Pentecostal preachers preaching against them. And uh, and sometimes I'll like I'll tune into the news and hear just like a tail end of a song. And years ago, I think I was at the lumberyard and I heard a song, and the only part I heard was, "How can it be so wrong when it feels so right?" You know, I don't, I didn't know what what the rest of the song said, but I had a feeling he was talking about committing adultery. That's what I think he was talking about. You know, now maybe maybe some of you know that song. Maybe I'm way off here. But in other words, he was saying, I am a good person. I might be cheating on somebody's wife, but it feels right. You see how you can be one of the lousiest sinners in the whole world and still think you're a good person. Al Capone thought he was a good person. Do you know that Al Capone, uh, of course, he he was a murderer. He was an extortioner. Uh, he was a bootlegger. That's how he made his all of his money. But do you know that Al Capone had a soup kitchen in Chicago, the biggest soup kitchen in Chicago? He fed in that soup kitchen hundreds and hundreds of homeless men, women, and children every day. One Thanksgiving, they fed, um, I don't know, it was 5,000 or 50,000 people in one day in Chicago at a homeless. It must have been 5,000. 
And Al Capone thought he was a good person. Al Capone was the inventor of the cement overshoes. You know what those are, Joe? They would take you out into, into the lake. They'd fill the overshoes with your feet in them with cement. They'd drop you over the boat, and nobody ever knew what happened to you. You know, you would just, I mean, what a horrible way to die. And, uh, and here this guy thought he was a great person. You see, you can be completely godless. Let me read you a verse in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 12. There is a generation that is that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. Now, doesn't that sum up everything I've been saying? There is a generation that are pure in your own eyes. Like, like you're, you're immoral, your mouth is full of cursing, um, you know, I, you know, you, every other word is, is a curse word. Uh, you, you are immoral, the things you do, the things you watch, the things that you, uh, partake in, but you're a good person. I'm challenging you tonight. Now, here again, if you're if you're reading into this and thinking that I'm saying I'm better than you, you're really missing the point. Jesus said you need to get the beam out of your own eye so you can help somebody get a speck out of their eye. But pay attention to what Jesus was saying there. Jesus was not saying that we shouldn't try to help people. Like if I'm reaching out on the radio, just my little part of this world, and I'm trying to do something that I can to help people, and you think that I'm saying I'm better than you, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I yeah, I'm working on the beam in my eye. I want to make sure I'm right. But the whole reason for taking the beam out of your own eye, you know what it is? You know what Jesus said there? Well, you know, sometimes it seems like God would just wake me up and, and to understand the Scripture. The, the only reason for that story is not to say, You're a hypocrite trying to point out everybody else's problems and you should fix your own first. That's one of the points of that story. But the other point to that story is when you do get your other problems fixed, take the speck out of your brother's eye. Help him. That's what we're trying to do here. If you're wrong, you're wrong, and you need to get it right with God before it's too late. You know, this this, uh, excuse thing, this self-justification, the self-righteousness is just a bunch of excuses. In James chapter 4, I said I was going to get to that. It says in verse 6, but he giveth more grace. This is God. He giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so the Bible says God resisteth the proud, and then he tells us to resist the devil. The devil's sin against God was pride. The devil, Lucifer, um, now you can think I'm just reading into this. I think he rebelled against God, and I think he felt good about it. I think he felt justified. I think he felt, I think he was self-righteous. And he, according to what I understand in the Scripture, he even thought that he'd become like God. That's how much full of pride was in his head. We contrast that with Isaiah when he saw the Lord sitting on a throne, Isaiah chapter 6. Then when he saw the Lord like that, instead of him thinking he was like God, he said, woe is me. And so uh, if I finished in Romans chapter 4, he said, 
draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Verse 10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And so, and so we have this, we have this um, concept going on today where nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody wants, you know, here again, I'm making these, I shouldn't say nobody, but many people, they don't want to be wrong. Don't tell me that I'm wrong. Whatever you do, don't tell me that I'm wrong. And if you do tell me that I'm wrong, preacher, guess what their response is? They lash out against you. Well, don't you think you're perfect? I had somebody just do this to me kind of yesterday without getting into details. You know, like somebody told me that that, uh, there's nobody perfect, and if anybody says they are, they're a liar. And I kind of took it like they were thinking that I was saying I was perfect, which I wasn't. But there is there is a uh, there is a, a problem with being swallowed up like Jonah was with these issues. He he was justifying himself. Uh, he was self righteous, and even though I, my text that were kind of defending Jonah, and I agree with you, I, there was there's a lot to that. Um, but but the. Um, Somebody's saying they can't hear anything. Volume is haywire. I don't know what's going on there. The um, anyway, I don't know. It might be Holy Ghost Radio too. But uh, but I, I think I think you know Jonah. There were there were reasons that Jonah acted the way he is. But he was on the wrong side of God, and instead of humbling himself, he got angry, and he was angry. Guess at who? He was angry with God because God wasn't doing what he thought God should do. You know, um, this. Let me let me just spend the last few minutes of the program talking about this concept of self pity. Jonah was swallowed up with self pity. Sometimes when people see children swallowed up with self pity, it looks cute to them. I don't know. It doesn't really look cute to me. You know, I mean, sometimes when a kid throws a little fit, it does make me laugh looking at how dumb they look. You know, they're laying on the floor, kicking their feet, uh, crying, screaming. Personally, I think good parenting can do one of two things. Maybe the kid needs a spanking at that point, or maybe he just needs to be ignored completely. You know, because why would you pay any attention to that? You know, like what I like, if you're not going to give him a spanking for that, just say, you know, if you're going to act like that, go in your room and act like that, and we'll shut the door because we're not going to listen to it. You know, um, I, one of my grandsons, if he's listening tonight, he'll know which one he is. He, he was so attached to his mom. And he'd come over to our house, and he would throw the biggest fits when she would leave. You know, he would just scream and cry, and and I'd tell his mom, "Get out of here! Just get out of here! You'll be okay. Just get get going." You know, and uh, and as soon as she'd leave, man, he would wail and scream and throw a giant fit. And I would tell him, "You go back in that back bedroom, and when you can act decent, come out." And I just go about my business, and like. I'd hear him screaming back there, crying for a little while, and about five minutes would go by, and he'd walk out, you know, and he'd be like, like, is it okay now? Yeah. You know, because, look, I don't care. I mean, like, I don't care. You scream all you want to, but don't do it in my ear. You know, like, you see, I think self-pity is, when it comes to children, it's kind of like that. Like, you know, like, that's a cute story to me. You know, and if, I'm not going to tell you which grandson it was. When it comes to my own kids, I always tell on them, but my grandkids, I protect them. But he used to make one of my sons mad when I tell stories about him. I hope he doesn't get mad anymore. I've been trying to tell better stories about him, too. 
But when we see children act this way, it seems kind of cute. But when, and, but when we see teenagers acting this way and pouting, it starts to look less cute. And when we see adults like this, to me, self-pity is one of the predecessors of mental illness. This is why I want to write a book on this. I think that just about every mental... Boy, this is going to get me in trouble. But just... Well, how do, i got to reword this. Many mentally ill people I've met are full of self-pity. Feeling sorry about the way they were raised. Feeling sorry about their economic conditions. Feeling sorry about their health issues. Feeling sorry for themselves about all kinds of things. I think it causes people to go crazy. Sometimes in varying degrees. Uh, I've got a list of names here of people. I'm not going to read it. I don't want Joe to quit looking at my notes. Too. The, uh, but, but I've got a list of names of people that I know that went crazy, kind of. And I believe it started out feeling sorry for themselves. You know, um, the, the worldview of a person with self-pity views everything around them from the perspective of how they feel or how it affects them. Self-pity is easily the most destructive of the non-pharmaceutical narcotics. I think self-pity is worse than just about any drug there is. Number one, it's addictive. You start feeling sorry for yourself, Bill, guess what? You won't have any friends. Guess what now? You don't have any friends, guess what you're going to do? You're going to feel sorry for yourself even more. How come nobody's my friend? Well, nobody can stand to be around you. That's why. I mean, like, you're not, I'm just using you as an example. His real name's not Bill anyway. You know, we don't even know what it is. You know, it's probably Harold or something. You know, we don't even know. But, but we, but you know what I'm saying? Like, self-pity is, is like, it's a, it, it, it gets worse and worse and worse. Like, you get full of self-pity on a job site, pretty soon you get fired. And pretty, after that, guess what? You're really for, feeling sorry for yourself. I don't have any money, don't have any food, don't have a car, you know. I, I remember one time there was a guy from a prison ministry in Bismarck, and he was mad at my pastor. Now, Pastor Walters, and I don't know if you guys know this or not. I don't know who's listening out there. Most pastors in this world could make a lot more money doing something else. Don't don't talk about pastors and say, boy, they're they're in it for the money. There's more money, Seth, being a window installer than being a pastor in most cases, unless you pastor some mega church somewhere. Uh, pastors don't make a lot of money. But I had a guy one time, he got—he was a guy from prison, he was a young guy, full of self-pity. He said, yeah, that Pastor Walters got a really nice Suburban and I don't even have a car to drive. Well, he didn't work. You know, what's he think? It's going to just, you know, the government's going to give him one? He should have voted for Bernie Sanders. You know, the, uh, but, so, self-pity, it's like a drug. drug. It gives momentary pleasure. But it separates the victim from reality. You know, um, I think, now all the women, just get away from the radio for just a minute. All the women listening out there, get just, Anna, are you listening out there? Get away from the radio. Get out in another room. One, two, three, four, five. All right. I think self-pity affects men worse than women, for the most part. I really do. I, I don't know why it is, but in this book I want to write on self-pity, for some reason, just, this is just observation. I have Matt, the researcher out there. I have no research. I have no clinical research. But for some reason, men seem to feel more sorry for themselves than women. 
And I'm not sure why that is. But there is a, you know, it's kind of like the husband that is mad at his wife, so he goes and sleeps on a couch. You know, he's just out there sleeping on a couch. Well, now that works for a little while when you're first married, Brother Springer. But after a while, your wife's like, good, I got the whole bed tonight. Like, she she doesn't care. You know, like, if he's going to act like a baby, let him stay out there. You know, that's what she's thinking. You know, like like when I used to try that stuff when I was first married, it worked pretty good. You know, I'd make my wife feel kind of bad. You know, it's manipulation is what it is. You know, you don't get your way, so you try a little self-pity. But you know what? If you try that enough, you're going to lose respect from your wife. And the number one thing men wish they had from their wife is respect. And now you're acting like a baby, and you're acting like this baby, and now she doesn't respect you anymore. And guess what? Now you're even more full of self-pity. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but there I have seen terrible, terrible things happen because of self-pity. Even suicide. People commit suicide because of self-pity. Girlfriend breaks up on them, they kill, kill themselves. We all know somebody kind of like that. That is a destructive. Self-pity is a destructive. Some people are drinking themselves to death because of self-pity. You know, I, I've never heard the song, Tear in My Beer. I never heard it. Is that how it goes? Tear is that the name of the song? Tear in my beer or beer in my tear? I don't know what it is. I have no idea. I think it's Tear in My Beer. Is that is that like Hank Williams or somebody singing that song? That's the country song. I don't know. I've never heard the song. But just the title of it makes me think of self pity. You know, like I don't know what the song's about. Am I right or wrong? I have no idea. Okay, you you're sitting in the bar, you've drank your family away, you've drank your job away, you drank your health away, and now you're sitting at this bar and tears are dripping into your glass of beer. You know what? It doesn't make me feel sorry for you. It makes me want to come over there and just get a pair of steel-toed boots on and kick you in the rear end and say, get going. Let's turn this thing around. You know, you know. I, I was at a funeral. I preached a funeral here a while back, and I said, I said, if the deceased was here tonight or today, he'd want me to have some of you guys, a bunch of bikers in that place, some of you bikers come up here so I could kick you guys in the rear end. And I said, and he'd start with his son. His son stood up and turned around like he wanted me to come over and kick him in the rear end. I should have. His son's a friend of mine, but I should have done that. But self-pity, we, all we see is ourselves. All we see is our problems. All we see, and that's all that we love to talk about. Some people have health issues. You know what? That's all they talk about, their health issues. You know what? If I get really sick, somebody poisoned me. You know, I mean, I know it's a sin. Maybe it'll be somebody that's not in the church. Somebody listen. Just poison me. If I, all I do is whine and complain about how much pain I'm in and how I hurt and just, I, I don't know. I don't want to live like that. I hope, I, I, who knows what I'll be like at that point. But self-pity is a death that has no resurrection. It's a sinkhole where, where no rescuing hand can drag you out because you've chosen to sink there. And we need to swallow our pride and we need to uh, start realizing that there is an answer to this feeling bad about ourselves, and that's to bring it to God. Bring bring your brokenness to God. And God can actually make something new out of your life. Seth, why don't you give out some information about how to get a hold of us here locally in Dickinson? 
All right. Well, we're from the New Life Pentecostal Church right here in Dickinson. We're located at 105 7th Avenue West. Again, that's the New Life Pentecostal Church, 105 7th Avenue West. Our church phone number is 701-264-7862. If you ever need a ride and you want to come to church, uh, give us a call at that number, 701-264-7862. Our next service is going to be Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. We'd love to have you. Sunday mornings, we have 10 o'clock, uh, worship, or, uh, excuse me, Sunday school, 10 o'clock a.m., uh, adult and children's Sunday schools. And then a, a worship service on Sunday morning is at 11 o'clock a.m. This is the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast. We're on, from, we're on every Sunday night from 8.06 to 9.06 Mountain Time. If you'd like to give us a call with any questions or comments, you may have 225-5133, or you can text those same questions or comments to uh, 701-290-7862. And if you're out of country uh, and you'd like to email us, robertsimons58 at gmail.com. Okay. And we didn't lose the uh, feed for very long, Brother Duran. Man, he's right on top of this thing. He's he's texting me. Uh, what what is he? Do you ever sleep? I mean, do you ever not listen, Brother Duran, to the Holy Ghost Radio? Uh, a lot of texts here tonight. It would be kind of fun to go through some of the. I'll go through them later. Uh, been fun to kind of bring some of these on the air with me. A lot of texts tonight. Just a lot of a lot of neat stuff. The um, tonight as we close this, the grandson that I was talking about guessed who he was. So you were right, but I'm not going to tell anybody else. But. There's no reason to just sit around with a tear in your beer tonight, but you you can bring it to Jesus. The Bible says he has he has beauty for ashes, dancing for mourning. Uh, God he can give us joy for sorrow, and uh, but the key is you got to bring it to Him. Quit feeling sorry for yourself and do something about it. Bring your life to Jesus. This is kind of scary being on live radio and playing a song that just popped into my head that I haven't sung for many, many years, but we'll try it. Are you tired of chasing pretty rainbows? Are you tired of spinning round and round? Pack up all the shattered dreams of your life. At the feet of Jesus, lay them down. Give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, wounded hearts, and broken toys. Give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. And He will turn your sorrow into joy. Are you tired of chasing pretty rainbows? Are you tired of spinning round and round? Pack up all the shattered dreams of your life. At the feet of Jesus, lay them down. Give them all, give them all, give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, wounded hearts, and broken toys. Give them all, give them all, 
Give them all to Jesus And He will turn your sorrows into joy Amen I believe today that if you're listening tonight And you've had that critical eye on um, on people of God On the things of God On religion in general I want you to examine your own heart And think about what you're doing You've set yourself up as the critic You've set yourself up as the expert but the Bible said, and I quoted this, I read the scripture earlier in James, but it says this, and I believe that this is God's wish for us tonight as we close this program. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. And He will lift you up higher and higher and He will lift you up. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. And He will lift you up higher and higher and He will lift you And He will lift you up Up into heaven And He will lift you up Jesus, tonight, as we close our broadcast God, I pray that you help us Lord, help us to truly get the beam out of our own eye Whether we know you, whether we don't know you But God, help us to get our eyes off of everybody else, what's going around us, and just realize that we have to answer to you. God, I pray that you would just help our listening audience tonight. In the name of Jesus. I've enjoyed this program. It's been my attempt at psychology, but anyway. Maybe I'll do better next week. Tune in. You'll never know until you tune in at 806 Mountain Time every Sunday night. God bless you. Good night. You are my life. You are my joy.
Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.